from police officer to podcaster, Michael Hertz shares his journey of starting a podcast to dive deep into the realm of things that might happen before you go. My favorite thing that he said was, good and evil have been around for thousands and thousands of years. We do have free will, and sometimes we're influenced. And when we're influenced negatively or positively, your free will kicks in and you have a choice. You have a choice to choose positive and a choice to choose negative. Stay tuned for his in-depth interview, and even I share some things that I've never shared before. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast, and today my guest is the incredible Michael Hurst. Welcome to the show, Michael. You make me sound like way big. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are. And I had the distinct pleasure and honor to be on your podcast. So I'm so glad that we got connected. Well, I'm very happy to uh, kind of come onto your podcast. I think that what you're doing is a wonderful thing. And I think that it means uh, uh, a way for people to um, express more positivity in the world. So thank you for having me. Well, yeah, and that's why I wanted to be on yours, too. You have such a great platform, um, and we're going to dive into that. And I can't wait for you to, like, unpack what how you came about it and talk about it. I'm ready. So for those of you who don't know, Michael Hurst is the host and producer of One More Thing Before You Go podcast. He is also an author, screenwriter, director, and retired police sergeant. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Business Management and a Master of Arts in Interdisciplinary Studies with a focus on performance and digital media. He is also a husband, father, and lover of all animals, a vegan who has managed his disease with a naturopathic way of life, a lover of nature, art, creative arts, and healing, writing, movies, and TV. And you can find out more information about Michael on his website at beforeyougopodcast.com. And that will be in the show notes as well. So like I said, Michael, I'm so honored to have you here. And I just love to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Yeah, that's a very interesting and unique question, actually. So I appreciate you asking that. I think investing as people is basically is an opportunity for you to see the good in people and allow them to take that good and build it up within themselves to show that they are worth moving themselves forward and helping others to move forward in a very positive way. And I think that investing in people also means that you need to have faith in humanity and our society and the way that we can all come together and create an environment where we can all enjoy what we have and be grateful for where we're at in life. And I think you do that for sure as uh, on your podcast. And I think as a, a, a rule, that's what podcasters do, right? They just really create this community to connect and and come from a place of of joy and love and just really want to connect other people naturally, right? That's kind of why we interview people and go, hey, hear this person's story. It's amazing. It's so inspiring. So yeah, I love Conversation, that's, that's what starts and opens the door, it's a conversation. I mean, you walk on the street, you see somebody in a coffee shop, you want to meet somebody, the first things out of your mouth is hello or hi, and it starts. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, conversation is a two-way street. So it's hello and then listen for the response. <laughs> exactly. And for yeah. those of us that are podcasting, we'd love to have that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of podcasting, how did you get started with um, one thing before you go? And what does that mean? Uh, one more thing before you go actually started, um, believe it or not, uh, as a capstone project in university. When I was uh, building for my master's program, uh, we, I, with my long title for my master's degree, I picked the most complicated one, right? Interdisciplinary studies with a focus on digital media and performance. My focus at that time was to understand how creative arts and performance could help other people move through uh, grief and how they could heal after losing someone. So as a police officer, for as long as I was, and as a sergeant um, in my career, I had seen so much without sending, sounding too negative, but I had seen so much death. And most of it was an, either an instantaneous death or it was an un, unattended death where nobody was there and when the person passed and or um, something was a traffic accident homicide, you know, any number of things that could have taken place where somebody passed on and they never had the opportunity to say what they wanted to say before they passed on. Or the person that I had to knock on the door and say, I'm sorry, but I have news for you. Hmm. And that person behind the door would always say, I never said, I love you. I never Hmm. said goodbye. So that's kind of where it kind of dealt from in the beginning. And uh, I created a documentary. And the documentary specifically is one more thing before you go. And it took that creative art aspect of dance and music and art and drama and recreated the scenarios in order for somebody to say goodbye or get to say the last thing before somebody walked out the door that they didn't have the opportunity to say. Mm. So as time went forward... And as time moved forward um, in my own life, it had inspired me to start that because I lost my father when I was 17 years old. Um, I didn't get to say goodbye. Uh, I lost my mother. Same thing. I didn't get to say goodbye. I didn't say what I wanted to say. And after spending a lifetime of delivering other people's messages, it was difficult for me that I needed to be able to open the door for myself to be able to say that message. Yeah. So it evolved. And we evolved into uh, my podcast, One More Thing Before You Go. And it basically, we have a unique conversation about life. And we talk about death. And we talk about it in an open and honest environment. And then we talk about how to move forward that, forward from that and how to grieve through it and how to express what you want to say. Mm, such a beautiful, beautiful expl- explanation, because I think as a society, we forget the that side of the um, police force is that they sometimes also get, you know, someone in their arms that might be dying who is saying, hey, I needed to tell my my wife, my girlfriend, my my husband, my whatever, right, my mom, my dad that I love them because you might have experience on that side as well. And so the fact that you brought it not only to a podcast, but also a documentary. Wow. What it's so powerful. So powerful. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's um, I have evolved and um, this podcast is definitely growing. 
Um, we've expanded our conversation to a number of different areas, which I'm very happy about because it uh, expands the conversation. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, I, I listened to and I was like, man, that is like so in, intense. It was uh, the one of my favorite episodes of yours is the one where the, you can hear the uh, you're talking about, is it demons or spiritual warfare or something like that? And you replayed it and you're like, you can hear it hear that extra breathing in the background. That was the demon that followed me home. Ah, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting, uh, that was an interesting, it, we discussed the demon that followed me home. Let me think about this for a second. That particular clip actually came from the angels among us. That's right. Yeah. I've, I've, I've got like 50 episodes. So you have to Yeah, it. no, you're right. But it was, but I it recall was, that, that demon breathing and I was like, Man, we yeah. don't even know sometimes what we're recording when we're recording. Yeah, it was the, the Angels Among Us, and it was with celebrity psychic Laura Powers. Um, if you haven't heard it, you need to go back and listen to it. But in a, a subsequent Over the Teacup, we actually released that um, little clip that you can hear the person or entity thing, yeah, whatever it happened to be. Um, and that's when during my editing, I hadn't heard it. And, when I, uh, my wife was listening to the whole episode and she had to stop it immediately and say, you need to come listen to this. Wow. And, you know, as you know, in editing, sometimes you just kind of whiz through things and, you know, you, you miss things. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of missed that in her listening to it. She said, you really got to hear this. And uh, it was kind of crazy the the voice that, uh, and it had to be behind me over my shoulder and it specifically, so you're going to get me really talking now. Yeah. It specifically happened during a time period in that episode, Angel Among Us, that we were having technical difficulties. So every time she was talking uh-huh. about fallen angels and demons, this particular incident okay, took place during that time. So it was kind of crazy. She, her, we lost her audio. We lost her video. Lost my audio. Lost my video. We had to reconnect it again and restart again. It yeah. was just, it was just wild. Kind of gave me shivers. Oh, it gave me shivers listening to it, um, and and listening to that description because I've I've had that happen to me before when it's in an extremely like vulnerable moment in the conversation with someone, and all of a sudden everything gets shut down. And it's like, what just happened? And why? And it's not just what just happened; it's why did that happen? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And in this particular case, we figured it was that entity, whatever it happened to be, did not want her to relay the information right. to me or to my audience in regard to to anything that was going on. So, you know, it was um, it was enlightening. Yeah, actually, because yeah. I, I made me think, OK, how do I how do I get rid of this? Why is it here? Why is it breathing over my shoulder? Mm hmm. So it was kind of, it was just, uh, it was unique. So, I mean, anybody can listen to it. I I highly recommend, I'm doing some short, some really, I'm promoting my podcast. For real free. (laughs) (laughs) You need to listen to Angels Among Us. In that particular episode, it's not in there because when we sent it for cleanup, it got wiped. But in the raw, raw audio, we went back and got the raw audio, and that's actually in an over the teacup segment with Michael and Diane, and you can hear it for yourself, and um, you can replay it, and if you can figure it out, 
drop me an email. I'd, I'd happy to. I'd be happy to to in, enlighten myself with your ideas. Yeah. So, of course, my next question is: How did you? What did you do? Did you? How did you get rid of it? How did you go forward with knowing that's what it possibly could have happened? That it followed you home. Well, as a cop, I just to open the door, get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Basically, because of the conversations that I've had throughout my podcast, I've been lucky enough to talk to a lot of people who are mediums and people who deal with this on a regular basis. So the advice that they gave to us was that we just need to cleanse the house. So we kind of cleansed the house and asked for white light of protection and healing to come in. And then we kind of smudged it a little bit with some sweet grass and kind of pushed it out. So haven't heard anything like that since. So I'm Mm. assuming that it went away. And I'm not inviting it back in. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, it's, I, you know, my audience is probably going, what in the world are you all talking about? And so I just want to say, you know, whatever your beliefs is, whether it's, it's um, God, universe, creator, whatever there, you, there has to be um, as good as there is good. There's this other side that is not. And that is where, that is really what Michael and I are talking about. And if you aren't educated in that other side, (laughs) um, there's definitely, Michael's podcast is is why I wanted to have him on to talk about it. There are so many resources, so many people that are talking about that on there that um, you can get educated on it and, you know, go with it with an open mind rather than going, oh, you guys are crazy, <laughs> and talking about something that we don't even know about. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Some of the feedback that I get is that, why are you putting this up on the air, and why did you why did you discuss this? And, you know, and, and realistically, in any of those episodes that are on my uh, podcast, the, the aspect of good and evil is talked about in several of them, actually. And in Lifetime, no matter how far back you look, whether you're religious or spiritual or, or not, there's always a yin and a yang. There's always a good and an evil. Even in a movie, you have a bad guy and you have a good guy. You hope for the good guy to win. So it reflects across us, across society, in the way we operate as individuals, as families, and, and as a society. There's always a good and evil. And there's always that fight between good and evil. And in those episodes, it kind of opens your eyes to the possibility that the good and evil are not only within ourselves, they're within the realm around us in that they surround us and that sometimes you could be influenced by positive, sometimes by negative. It's like the old cartoons that we used to watch as kids where the little devil would show up on one shoulder and the angel would show up on the other shoulder of the cartoon mm-hmm. character. One's whispering in the air and then they're fighting each other behind your back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we all have a choice yeah. and we need to understand that sometimes you can take a, a negative way and a negative route. Sometimes you can take a positive route. So just what I try to present um, and what the people that I've interviewed try to present is an opportunity for you to open your eyes and your mind to the possibility Absolutely. And they do that. Every episode I listen to, I'm like, man, I had no idea that was happening. And, um, and I know for you, you talked about losing your mom and your dad. 
And um, on a conversation that you and I had on your podcast, um, you had some health concerns as well. And so was there ever a time or like a defining moment that you can recall that you were like, one, I knew that there was something um, negative, evil, whatever you want to call it, surrounding you, or two, that really propelled you to share your stories as a, um, not just as a police sergeant, but as someone who really got interested in this conversation, I will say. Well, it's, if I go way, way back, um, I won't divulge my age. <laughs> we'll just say a long time ago, sometime after we stopped playing with rocks, but, you know, <laughs> time before the technical age. I, um, I grew up in a kind of a uh, negative environment, and both my parents were alcoholics. And I'm not blaming that on that. Please understand that. But both my mm-hmm. parents were alcoholics. And I lost my father when I was uh, technically 15. Um, he died when I was 17, but he had been already removed from the house and he was sick and had some issues. Uh, that kind of environment, typically, I have found that uh, it kind of uh, invites negative energy into the home. And I have several incidences as a kid, actually, which I've never really told a lot of people. Um, my wife knows about it. My kids know about it. Some of my close friends know about it. But I actually had uh, had a conversation with a demon mm. when I was about 11 years old. And that showed up in my house. And that stuck with me for well, a lifetime. Yeah. You know, it's a very, very um, bizarre and... Uh, unique experience because this demon that uh, had shown up in there was I'm not exactly sure the complete purpose for it because I was 11 years old it was difficult to understand but it was a physical manifestation that showed um, itself and uh, I was able to um, kind of shut it down and and walk away from it and expel it but the thing that it taught me was that there are the there are possibilities of something like that existing within society. So I had always, I can't say always, I grew up Catholic. And when you grow up Catholic, they teach you you're not supposed to believe in that. You're not supposed to believe in angels other than archangels. The only thing that exists are archangels. And the only Mm -hmm. thing that exists is hell and the devil. They don't say anything about demons. And they don't say anything about the angels that are around us. As I evolved through life and grew, um, I became more aware of my surroundings in regard to that, including opportunity that um, there are angels among us. And you just have to listen to your intuition, your intuition that whatever's whispering to you in your ear, that it could be your guardian angel telling you to not or to do. Same thing with the demon. It's an evil side of, an evil side of life. And yeah. They can whisper in your ear. They can confront you and kind of expel you forward. So it, I, I kind of expanded upon your question a little bit. But the no, I love it. Thank you. As time grew on, and uh, once I learned that I wanted to be a police officer, which was fairly young, um, actually, right after my father passed away, I decided to become a police officer. And uh, as a cop, you see the best people at their worst, and you see the worst people even worse. 
that that's what you see on a regular basis. You very rarely see the positive in society because you work within it at such a level that all you see is negative. And when you see that on a consistent basis in what people put themselves through, it kind of compounds the idea that the good and evil exist within all of us and whether or not we're influenced to take that good or evil path. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. And uh, I have to completely say I, I, I relate. Um, I don't think I've ever shared this story. Definitely not on air. Um, so I, too, had an instance where I was felt like I was actually having a conversation with a demon. However, he was within me as I was looking in the mirror. And I was probably 14 years old at the time, and I was already drinking, and I had started, I was drinking before school one day, and I remember distinctly hearing, as I'm looking at myself in the eye, like literally in the eyes in the mirror, and I distinctly remember hearing, go ahead, keep drinking, your life's not any good anyway. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And I was suicidal during those years, but I, so I was, I was at 14 and at 15, I was drinking every day. And at 16, I got a DUI. And that is when I knew that I knew that I knew that uh, the next morning I woke up from going, Oh my God, what did I do? (laughs) I got, got drinking and driving And I said, okay, God, I've messed my life up this far. It is now yours. I I can't continue to live like I was. And that was really um, the progression. I didn't like change overnight. It is not a snap. And, you know, like the movies, (laughs) it's not like that at all. It's a very slow progression. But that's what it took. That's what saved my life. I would have been committed suicide because of the drinking. I would have drank myself to death if I hadn't have had that. And you witnessing that in the mirror, looking back at you, that was just the evil side of that. And it's another one of my episodes, uh, The Demon That Followed Me Home, I just mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, She actually had to um, call upon angels herself to pull that uh, from within herself. And she talks about that and talks about how that took place and how she could literally see the dark shadow being pulled from her body, which was um, extremely interesting, actually, because she had also gone down a negative path similar to yours. And the influence was, um, it was just negative. And, you know, I'm not, I, I am not a practicing Catholic at the moment. I have to be honest with everybody that's out there. I do not, I do not, and this is not your reflection. This is my own uh, perspective. Uh, I, I don't believe in organized religion. I'm a spiritual individual. I believe in God. I believe in that there's a heaven, there's a hell. I believe in Mother Nature. I believe in the universe. And I believe in angels and demons, the good and the evil. And that it's been around for thousands upon thousands of years. And that's some of our influence. We have free will. We do have free will. But sometimes we're influenced And when you're influenced negatively or positively, then your free will kicks in. You have a choice. 
You have a choice to go positive. You have a choice to go negative. Luckily, you took a positive route. Well, and I just want to say something about what you had mentioned earlier about your dad being an alcoholic. And we, as um, children, don't even realize it. We uh, are affected by our generational trauma before. And it's, it's inherently passed down. And it is something that happened, you know, in their lives, our parents' lives, our grandparents' lives. So just like what you were saying, describing about your dad, your dad at some point started drinking for a reason, and that was his demon, right? And then it goes to, to you, and then you made the conscious decision to sh- change. And that's really what it takes. So if there's someone that's listening that is been suffering in their mind with something and they couldn't figure out what it is, I highly suggest that you think about, first of all, find someone to help you, but also think about that maybe it's not just your trauma that's happened to you. Maybe it's your generations before. Well, it, it's, that's a very interesting concept. Um, I had to refer back to another episode, intergenerational trauma. One of my episodes has intergenerational, intergenerational trauma. It's cutting the head off the snake in Basically, we discussed that in regards to, and he helps me actually go back in time, so to speak, and kind of reevaluate where some of my in my childhood played an influence and continued to play an influence, even though I'm aware of it as an adult and through my adult life. And we've got to understand that we as children observe, we take in everything. Mm-hmm. And we learn from our parents and we learn from our peers and we're influenced by that whole situation. And sometimes that comes with us and it follows you. Even if you don't understand it or realize it, it follows us. Yeah, most definitely. You're so spot on. And I think that's just it. It's your, maybe you've had a series of bad days and that turned into years and you're beating yourself up like, gosh, why I'm never going to catch a break. It might not be about you. It might be about exactly about somebody else. So I'm so glad that you found help to be able to do that. I did too. I went to a counselor that was specific in, and I cannot uh, recall the actual name of what they did, but it is like uh, intercessual prayer. So it is literally speaking to that demon to pray it out of you. Um, and it was, wow. <laughs> like I didn't physically see it. I physically felt it. And it, it was. Yeah. It's an amazing, it's an amazing transformation. Once you kind of realize it and once you kind of, once you kind of, uh, experience it. Yeah. And to have someone that can come in and pray on your behalf to take you to kind of like take you back from the quote unquote demonic side, but to really plant you to be able to allow you to move forward, to give it bigger impact in the world. That's what's important. That's who you, the people in the, this world, there are people in this world who do that. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the mind, the body and the soul are a unique combination of things. I think that um, have to work in conjunction with each other in order to make them survive. 
and you need to be of sound mind, of sound body, and of sound soul to kind of move yourself into a place where you're happy, you believe in yourself, you have the confidence and the structure to develop yourself into a the person that you want to be. And mind, body, and soul are are sometimes you have to work on them individually. Sometimes you have to work on your mind first. Other times you have to work on your body first. Other times you have to work on your soul first. But once you kind of intermingle them and you weave them together, it allows us as human beings to get a better understanding of ourselves, what our needs are, what our wants are, what our expectations are within ourselves, and not looking at expectations from somebody else, not looking at pleasing somebody else other than ourselves first, because that's important in our lives, you can pretty much accomplish most anything. Um, as you and I had talked about previously, uh, my example comes from the fact that I was injured in the line of duty. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to retire from a career in law enforcement. I was hit by a vehicle car. A suspect tried to uh, didn't want to be arrested, and he pinned me between his car and my car. Mm. So I was actually diagnosed by five medical doctors that I would never walk again. Wow. I'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Uh, I developed severe rheumatoid arthritis and atrophy in some of my extremities. And um, I made a conscious choice to kind of overcome that. And as you saw when we last spoke on my podcast, um, I'm not in a wheelchair. Right. And I did stand stand up. I do walk. Um, I walk two, three, four, five miles a day. And I manage my disease very effectively with uh, meditation, herbs, diet, and a positive outlook as to mind, body, and soul. Mm. And it allows me to get up every morning. And um, I, I am not going to say that I'm always 100% because I do have a disease. But I manage my disease and I'm not in a wheelchair. So that journey was very unique to me and kind of forcing me to look back within myself, get rid of my demons because I went through anger, depression, sure, um, you know, everything related to, to losing something because I was in the process of losing my ability to function as a human being, as a father, as a husband, as a police officer, as an individual. Right. It, all of that was going away. It was an opportunity for me to kind of make a choice. Do I continue to go down the negative side? Do I continue to feel sorry for myself? Do I continue to be angry and deny and be depressed and say, I don't want to be here anymore because I don't want to be a burden upon anybody? Or do I make the positive choice and say, I'm going to change this? So through mind, body, soul, okay, I'm walking, I'm talking. I'm having a. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, I just want the listeners to understand that you went to five doctors who all said that you would be in a wheelchair, and clearly there was at least one or something else. Maybe it was alternative medicine that you found that was like, no, there's hope. It actually was a Chinese doctor. Yeah, um, alternative medicine. He tried me on some acupuncture and. Um, got me into eating the right foods mm-hmm. and uh, got me into a mental 
state where I was meditating. I used to practice martial arts when I was a police officer. So I was fully aware of what the body's capabilities were, the fact that your mind has to focus, your heart has to focus, your soul has to focus. But I'd forgotten it because mm-hmm. of my anger sure. and my depression and my denial and everything related to that. So I had gone to see this Chinese doctor, Dr. Pong. He helped get me on a path that says you can achieve more and you can move forward. And um, that's where my journey of healing began, basically. I love that that's your part of your story. I had the, a very similar situation I went to. I don't even know. I didn't keep track how many doctors, but it was years of doctors. I had excruciating pain in my, my back and my feet. And I wanted to, every morning, just wanted to cut my feet off. And in the morning, I felt like I had been hit by a Mack truck. And I finally found a doctor who said, well, I'm going to refer you to someone else, to a rheumatologist. And I was like, oh, well, that's the first time anybody's said that. Most of them said, well, it's in your head, lady. (laughs) And this doctor said, "Um, do you have pain here? Do you have pain here? And he poked me in like, I think it was 11 different joints. And I said, yeah, and I had pain in all of them. And he's like, oh, you have what's called fibromyalgia. So I'm going to put you on this cocktail of sleeping pills, antidepressants, and um, what was the other one? Painkillers. And I was like, "Um, no, thank you. And I literally drove across the street because I knew where it was to the acupuncturist's office and made an appointment. And that is what I have done for my pain management for 20 years. That's amazing. Amazing journey. Um, And I have to be honest, I I will reiterate that you made the right choice. When I first got to a rheumatologist because of my rheumatoid arthritis, Mm -hmm. um, I made the decision to go see a rheumatologist. They did the same thing. I was first diagnosed with fibromyalgia and they said, this is what it is. And they gave me the same cocktail medication Mm. that really wasn't necessary. Yeah. When my rheumatoid arthritis started accelerating at a pace that was more than normal, due to my injuries, they turned around and did blood tests and they re- they officially diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis. They put me on Remicade. Mm. Remicade made me so sick they had to take me off of it. They put me on Enbrel. Enbrel made me so sick they had to use another drug to get it out of my system in order to get me off of it. And then they put me on Humira. And when they put me on Humira, it got me to the case study that actually got it approved. So I was part of that. They flew me to uh, Washington to talk to Congress. They flew me to San Francisco to talk to doctors and nurses and everything else because it was like, hey, wow, look at this. Wow. Um, I became a guinea pig, and, but I also became a victim, which, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So after I touted the benefits of Humira and helped them to get it approved, um, they rewarded me with five more years of free care on the drug that kind of helped me manage it. So unfortunately, I stayed on it. And unbeknownst to me, they were tweaking it still. Mm-hmm. So even though it was already released, they were still tweaking it. And because I had become given this free five extra years, I kept having to sign paperwork um, in order to say, you can't see me. I'm, if listeners can't see me in my hands. I talk like an Italian. 
<laughs> the um, I had to sign paperwork in order to to allow them for me to be still beyond the the medication. Mm-hmm. So unbeknownst um, to me, I was still a guinea pig. So I went from 165 pounds playing golf every weekend, again because the Chinese doctor I had seen originally said that you don't have to be in a wheelchair. You can overcome this. You can move forward. But when my rheumatoid arthritis started accelerating at a pace that I couldn't control, I went to see the rheumatologist. Mm -hmm. So it literally took me from 165 pounds to 100 pounds. They sent me to every every specialist that they can think of, and I ended up with an oncologist hematologist. And Dr. Volk is a fantastic, fantastic oncologist hematologist. When I got there, he looked at me and he did some blood tests and he said, I can tell you exactly, you you have rheumatoid cachexia. And cancer patients get cachexia. Cachexia is like a similar to muscle wasting. Mm. So muscle wasting disease is typical with deer and elk and wildlife. Typically, it's not transferred to humans, but this is the human version. They call it cachexia. So when you see a cancer patient... And they're so emaciated. Yeah. It's because they cannot retain the nutrients that they need in order for the body to function normally because of the chemotherapy drugs. So Humira is a biologic, is an injectable biologic. It affects this the tumor necrosis factor within your system. It created the same environment for cachexia, but from a rheumatoid perspective. Wow. So he finally said you need to offer this immediately. So he took me off of it immediately, and then I found the nearest acupuncturist I could here in Arizona because I had seen Dr. Fong in Colorado before mm-hmm. I moved to Arizona. When I moved to Arizona, I didn't have the same opportunity to talk to Dr. Fong. So I found another Dr. An, who's another Asian individual who um, worked with Eastern medicine as well as Western medicine. He integrated both, but. We started a regimen of acupuncture, you know, a regimen of back to diet, and he helped me to get back on my, pretty much my diet. I managed my disease with my diet. So we did that in 2010, and from 2010 till now, I'm back up to 145 pounds, and um, I'm, I can't say I don't have bad days because it's a disease. It's still a disease, mm-hmm. but I've been able to manage my my disease with acupuncture. My wife gives me acupuncture treatments uh, about three times a week. Nice. She was taught by the doctor to do it. And I have little 18 little tattoos all over my body. So she knows where to put the needles. Where to put it up, yep. So she, she, she still has another one that can go poke me here, and then I don't move for about an hour, so she's got some peace and quiet, see? <laughs> the, he didn't teach her that one, luckily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the... Alternative health route is 100% better for my situation as it was for yours to get off of all of the biologics, all the different drugs. So now I do a a basic um, herbal treatment every day. Mm -hmm. I do power juices every day and I do acupuncture and I exercise. So I no longer am 100 pounds. I mean, you've seen me on the video that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. I'm not emaciated. Um, and it's been a very positive environment for me as it was for you. 
Yeah. And I just want to say the acupuncture for me, I feel like really helped bring out the other sides, the uh, spiritual side, the mind side, the emotional side of me, because it kind of like started me to think, well, maybe I should start journaling. And it was probably six months. I went to acupuncturists for the first year every week. And she had me change my diet, all of that stuff within, you know, and within two weeks, I had no pain, literally two weeks. And I know that now, and that's 20 years later now, when I have pain, I go and it can be a year and a half. It could be a go a year. It could go six months. It could go two months. You know, it just, (laughs) it just depends. Right. And for me, I was like, okay, so maybe I should start journaling. And as I started journaling and that first literal journal entry, I figured out two things. One, I grew up having panic attacks that I never thought that's what they were. I never knew that's what they was were until I started this journaling um, process. And two, the pain in my body actually represented unresolved anger. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Yes. And I, I believe that so many people are out there are holding on to this anger and it's manifesting itself in pain. Anger and stress technically are the number one killers. Theoretically, not technically. Theoretically are the number one killers in people because that's what causes more heart disease. Causes, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm going to preface it with that. But I am an individual that has researched a lot and experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. When I get angry, I flare. When I yep. get stressed, I flare. Yeah. When I get depressed, I flare. When I'm happy, I don't. When I'm when I don't get angry, I don't flare. When I when I try to manage my stress, I meditate in conjunction with all the other things that I do. I meditate on a frequent basis during the daytime, several times a day. I don't flare. Yeah. So it's, it kind of works. I know. <laughs> so yeah, the listeners that are, are paying attention, you're like literally, like there's something that's uh, your ailment, like really check out. Um, we both, I know, will highly recommend checking out alternative medicine, specifically Chinese medicine doctors who do acupuncture. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that you talk about the journaling too. I've got a, an episode that's coming up about uh, food journaling and how she journaled her pain away. Mm-hmm. Um, same principle that you that you just spoke about. Mm-hmm. And during that conversation, I learned um, it's not aired yet, but during that conversation, I learned so much about about that, including helping me to understand some of my little aches and pains every once in a while. Because I learned a lot about diet, I learned a lot about how what effects it has on your body in a, in a very negative or positive way. You know, nightshade affects anybody with you know, autoimmune disease. Yeah. Any of the nightshade groups, um, I won't I won't list all of them off, but you can Google nightshade and it'll tell mm-hmm. you what they are: tomatoes and potatoes and yep. eggplants and things like that and mushrooms. Um, if you have an autoimmune disease, it will have a negative effect on you. And if you don't believe it, cut it out for about three weeks and notice a difference, and you'll you'll see what it does to you. Start adding one at a time back in, and see what that does to you, and write it down. And if it has an effect on you, then you say, oh, I guess I can't have these anymore. Um, if it has a positive effect on you, write it down. It's like I can have more of these situations. So 
that's that's well done for taking that route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Michael, you've done so many amazing things in your life from being the police of police officer to to this podcast to really like healing yourself. So what would you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? I would want to be remembered for the fact that um, I'm a, I've tried to be the best father and husband that I could be, that I've tried to make a positive impact on other people's lives so that they can move their own lives forward and that um, it allowed them to evolve, grow, heal, and love themselves. Mm, beautiful. And you are definitely an inspiration who inspires others to do that. So, thank you very much. Well, thank you for being you and showing up with your podcast. And so speaking of your podcast, um, how can people connect with you? How can they find the podcast, your website, all of that? Um, people can contact me by going to my website, beforeyougopodcast.com. That's one word. Um, you'll find all my contact information on there. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is at Before You Go Podcast. Instagram, Before You Go Podcast. Uh, Twitter, at Before You Go Pod. I can be located in any of those areas. And um, you can contact me via email. On my website, you can leave me a voicemail. So if you have your own story to tell, if you want to tell me your triumph over tragedy, um, you can leave me a voicemail or email me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know it's been um, not so great because you haven't been feeling 100%, but I appreciate you taking the time to be here today. It's been a pleasure. I, I am 100%, 300% happy that we connected, and I appreciate your time, what you do for others, and I appreciate your podcast because you do spread positivity. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Well, before we go, I, haha, <laughs> before we go, I want to uh, leave with this last question. Um, what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Well, my mantra is the first step to failure is the one you never take. Mm, that is so true. So true. And again, just thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.